Hello there. Hello. Sorry, we're mixing up the times there. That's okay. Okay, let's see here. Uh, okay. So you're Canuck, huh? I am a Canuck, yes. Okay. I'll speak slower, eh? Oh, snap. Oh. What's Is that, that, how, that's that how what, we're going to start the night? <laughs> what's this all about? <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm friends with lots of Canadians. Why do you say it like it's such a, it's a, such a big deal? Like, <laughs> like, That's bad. I'm, I'm friends with lots of Americans. Like, you know, I mean, they're a bit slow. Their education system is shit, and they don't have free health care, but, you know. Well, you know, it's at least we don't pay high taxes for health care. You know what? We don't actually pay high taxes for health care. That's a misconception. We pay high taxes for our social services, and health care is mostly funded through the taxes they put on tobacco. Yeah. Uh, so, Richard, how long have you been listening to us? Uh, you know, I started about... Uh... A boot? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I was even willing to come on the show and let you call it the crap man the entire time. Well, it's that's the name of the show. <laughs> no one corrects John Chris Lucy when he says little, bi- little bugs, okay? <sighs> All right. And Elmer and Drag. No one well, corrects him. I've been listening to you guys since... Kitty Hawk first posted on her site her first show that she showed up on. Sexy Girls. For a couple of months. Uh, yeah, one of the sexy girls. Or, I don't know, she's been on so many episodes that could have been anything. <laughs> I think it was Batman, sorry, not Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series. Woo, that's a good one too. Right. Yeah, the Crap Man, it's, that's the name of the show. Well, I, see, I think it has a lot of defendable points to it. I think that... We yeah. haven't started the show yet, but... I know, I'm yeah. just saying... I, Am I okay to say that I liked Batman the Brave and the Bold as well? I don't really hate that show. I really haven't watched that, so I don't... I don't it's know. got a Dick Sprang feel. <laughs> Dick Sprang. That's the name of the artist. Yeah. He was the second Batman artist ever. He was uh, after after Bob Kane, who was actually born Bob Kahn, retired. It was Dick Sprang. Did they both draw a porn? Because Dick Sprang sounds like a porno name, too. Like Not just Bob Kane doing porn, but it sounds like... Well, all the artists back then did a little porn. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's, it's no, I'm not saying it was. I mean, it's a, you know, 80% of the comic book industry back then, actually 90% was, was Jewish as well. See, I'm worried about being on the show now because you're like, I'm friends with lots of Canadians. Oh, yeah, and the <laughs> Jews are okay too. No, I, no, actually, no, I'm not saying that as anything. No, no, it's, 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 it's a real historical fact. I mean, Stanley Lieber, Jacob Kurtzberg, uh, uh, <laughs> these, these are the, these are the creator's real names. It's, it's, it's the, I'm not, no, it's it's a historical fact. It, but come on, it, JT, it, we we have a guy who comes on the show often. His name is JT. He's from Saskatoon. So come on. And uh, I and uh, one of my one of the earliest ge- guests was Tim Groves. Yeah, yeah, we have lots of. It's I mean even the, yeah, it's it's just. Come on, Richard, you you listen to enough of the show to know what I'm like. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm giving you as much of a hard time as I assume that you'll be giving me. So not even close. Oh, okay. Did you enjoy a nice, uh, fresh batch of poutine today? I don't like poutine. <laughs> Every other Canadian I talk to loves it. Motherfucker, it's gravy, curds of cheese, and french fries. It is. It, it's, the national, it's, it's the national dish, I'm told. It is not. What's the national dish? Craft dinner. What? Craft dinner. Craft dinner. You, ever, you guys have craft products, I assume, down there. Craft mac and cheese uh, in the States different than craft mac and cheese in Canada? Craft uh, mac and cheese in Canada is just known as Kraft Dinner. There's no mac and cheese written on the box whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a different product. I know. I used to live in the states. Uh, 
and you can't get it. So. Well, I don't want it. I, I make my own mac and cheese out of macaroni and cheese. It's it's easy to make. It's it's, it's very easy, very fun dish to well, make. Besides, besides, that's an American dish. It was invented by Thomas Jefferson. Wasn't everything? No, uh, it was either Ben Franklin or Thomas Jefferson. Invented no, no, Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson actually historically invented macaroni and cheese. This is not a lie. This is actually a Well, then we have Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson to thank for our national dish. See, my, my friend Tim always tells me that he, he thinks Canadian Bacon is a hilarious movie because of the one part of the movie where they're pulled over by Dan Aykroyd playing a, a Canadian highway patrolman. Yes. And, and he makes them, he says, the fine is, the fine is uh, 10,000 Canadian or 10 American. And then, and then, and then. Not so well, funny anymore, but yeah, back then it was pretty good. And then they, and then, and then before he let them drive off, they had to repaint all the graffiti in French. Because <laughs> it has to be bilingual. That, you know what though? That, that law is only, uh, in Quebec. And I'm told by Tim in Quebec, it, the French has to actually be bigger. The French does have to be bigger. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's a lot of political mumbo jumbo. The English took over uh, Canada, and they defeated the French after a very long war. The French kind of surrendered. And in typical really shitty British ideas, they decided to give them any other demands for their surrender. Well, It was like a full conditional, it was like a, it was a very conditional surrender. And that's just dumb. Well, what happened was most of them actually moved south the, from Acadia, and they became Cajuns. This is true. Uh, I grew up in Nova Scotia, and in Nova Scotia we have Acadia. And... Uh, the Acadians are a very interesting, bizarre people. <laughs> yeah, they're weird. Yeah, I have all these facts in my brain, and mostly from watching Good Eats. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we are talking about The Crap Man. And we're going to be totally fair here. We're going to judge The Crap Man by its own demerits. Uh, I am your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Holy rusted metal, Batman. And we have with us defending the crap man, uh, Richard. Oh, it's already beating a has a hell. Okay, and as I said, this is a beginning of a new series based on the fact that we always say, if you disagree with us, you can come on the show. And, well, Richard disagrees with us, so here he is. So anyone else who disagreed with any of our past episodes, let us know. We will let you come on to defend whatever piece of crap you want to, you know, imagine has merit. But we're, we're totally okay with that. So uh, a little little change in the format here. I'm putting some training weights on. I'm going to, I'm going to restrict myself with one half of my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. Richard is going to have five minutes to tell us about these merits without me or Neil interrupting him. After that, my egg timer will go off, and then Neil will have five minutes with just him rebuting. After that five minutes, I'll be able to join in and 
And I won't mention the Bruce Tim series in comparison at all for five minutes. After that, the weights come off and it's all over. So let me start the egg timer. <laughs> all right. And Richard? Yes. Start. All right. Well, the Batman uh, as a series, the idea was to make a more hip Batman show, and they succeeded in a lot of ways because the Bruce Tim series, though not very based off of the Tim Burton movies, did have that kind of attachment to it that a lot of people made. Now, I was born in 1986, so when the show premiered in 1992, I didn't have a lot of attachment to the Bruce Tim series, nor was I really allowed to watch it. Uh, I kind of got into it later in life. But the Batman, I was kind of able to watch from the beginning. Uh it is kind of set in a semi-futuristic Gotham. Uh, so you got, you know, lasers instead of, uh, handguns. Which works in a lot of ways because it's very hard to explain how Batman doesn't get shot a lot. And, you know, you throw in lasers, you can throw in a couple different things there. Uh, as a show goes, it's a show that kind of didn't follow the comic and it didn't follow any kind of original source material. And then it kind of adjusted a few things to really pull the stuff together. Uh, some of the episodes I, I really loved for it was, uh, the Bane episode. Uh, even though Bane's transformation with the Venom was a bit over the over the top, you did have Bane come on the show, fight Batman, and just cripple him to the point where Batman, you know, was bound to a wheelchair for the episode. Uh, a lot of people argue that, you know, of course he takes the big bat bot and fights Bane, but you're dealing with a Batman that's supposed to be more hip and more appealing to kids. And yeah, they're selling toys with the bat bot idea, but still, it's something that in today's comic, Batman would do. Uh, it also kind of brought Mr. Freeze back down from, oh, I'm trying to save Nora, to what he what he originally was, which is a jewel thief. Uh, and the reason that, that is actually very interesting is because it takes Mr. Freeze and makes him a much more dangerous, uh, very dangerous, very super dangerous character for Batman, to the point where Batman actually in the episode straps flamethrowers to his hands to fight Freeze. Uh, you know, it's also a show that brought a lot from the original uh, 60s show. They even brought Adam Weston to do voicing for it. You have people like you know, Edward James almost doing voices for it. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I love about it was they took Maxi Zeus, who is the worst villain ever in Batman, <laughs> one of the worst ones ever, and actually used him in an actually very interesting way to do a kind of Batgirl episode, which, another highlight to the show, Batgirl was in it, and they did a very good. Barbara Gordon decided to do Batgirl on her own. Uh, which also worked with Poison Ivy coming in the show as kind of more of an eco-terrorist child uh, around Barbara's age. They kind of knew each other, and they had that kind of tension going on. Uh, you know, they did a future episode, uh, which was very good. It wasn't The Dark Knight Returns or, you know, Tales of the Dark Knight or anything, but it was a very good episode because they did uh, an older Batman. Robin, of course, did Age to Nightwing. And they showed Barbara Gordon for the first time in any animation paralyzed in a wheelchair as Oracle, which is very, you know, dramatic for kids because, holy crap, you know, they've paralyzed Barbara Gordon. Uh, later in the show, they did try a couple different things that might not have worked so well for them. Uh, their Robin introduction was very good because they got um, Kevin Conroy to do, you know, Richard Grayson's father. Uh, but in those seasons, they started introducing JLA characters. Now, a lot of people don't like it when they do crossover episodes, but they did them very well, and they did it so Batman helped the people, helped his JLL counterparts more than they helped him. So even though a villain would have come from their universe, Batman was kind of the one that saved the day in the end. Uh, the JLA was done very well. You know, they brought the Justice League in. You know, they're like, oh, Batman comes here, Watchtower. And Batman had already hacked the damn thing. They did a very smart, very detective-based Batman who was hip. They did Gotham very well. It was futuristic. 
you know, they put people like Black Mask in. They did organized crime very well. And for a show that starts off with Batman being in his third year, they had Batman doing a lot of learning in the show. And with the exception of Batman versus Dracula, they never really went too far over the top with the show. Uh, that's really my defense of it. Are you actually forfeiting your 30 seconds left? I, I will forfeit my 30 seconds because I feel like I want to, I, I'm waiting for the rebuttal now. Okay, it's uh, Neil. Let me start the timer. Neil, go. Okay, I'm going without any notes here, so I might be a little scatterbrained. But uh, right off the bat, I found this series rather juvenile, and we even got the creator's uh, own words for it, that it was aimed for a much, much younger audience. But the problem I have with that is that, uh, yeah, it's aimed for kids, but so is the original Batman. And I thought the way they dumbed it down was a little insulting, uh, namely the uh, the way the the weapons were uh, were introduced. Uh, the weapons are, are are laser guns, and those of us from the '80s recognize that that was uh, that was the way out of having to do actual guns. That was so nobody got hit with bullets. Instead, it was lasers, and you know they could kind of fudge how much damage is done with a laser. Um, and it's just the fact that. They didn't even shoot them for every episode that I saw except for one. Now, I haven't seen the entire series, but what I'm saying here is that for the amount of uh, episodes that I've seen, uh, I saw a lot of guns being whipped out, but nobody shot a single bullet or laser. What I did see was uh, a lot of badges being brandished and uh, waved in Batman's face, and then Batman kind of walks away. Um, About Mr. Freeze, uh, I don't think that turning him into a jewel thief makes him very interesting. In, in my opinion, it turns him back into one of the, the sort of canned sort of villains that Batman had. You know, like, like in the 60s show, you had, Egg, you had Egghead and uh, King Tut. And I never liked those. I, I thought that giving him a more interesting backstory with his wife and everything made him uh, much more interesting. He, uh, uh, he was sympathetic. You understood his motivation, whereas a jewel thief... Uh, okay, he's stealing jewels. What's he going to do with them? He's Mr. Freeze. Um, and uh, let's see, Barbara Gordon. Okay. Uh, this Barbara Gordon, I don't like it because, again, the the whole juvenile thing. It's I didn't understand her motivation. It was just like, okay, I'll turn into Batgirl because it's cool. Whereas in other incarnations, Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl out of her own sense of justice, she was always on the side of justice. And I don't, I don't get the, the, the fad superhero thing. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Bane was kind of silly. I'm not going to really spend any time on that, but, uh, let's see what else was there. Uh, there was uh, Clayface. Clayface was the, the cop character. I can't remember his name. Uh, but they were very ambiguous as to, why he turned evil. I didn't, it was like, what, what is going on here? He, uh, he breathes in this, this gas from this, uh, Joker putty. And for some reason that turns him insane, but he's still very conscious of what he's doing. And, um, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed very wishy-washy the way they did it. The way that, the way that episode ended was also kind of ambiguous. They, uh, didn't really say if he was good or bad. They they kind of left it open that he was going to be good, but then later on he uh, he changes his mind because good is hard. Um, let's see what else. Um, I don't know. I'm 
I'm kind of blanking out here. I should have had notes, but I suppose we can uh, kind of uh, I can kind of let this go for now, and then we can kind of revisit some of these things later when we uh, just do a free for all on this. But that's that's some of my objections to this series. Um, one last thing is that the way technology is treated in this show, um, I'm a big cyberpunk uh, animation fan. I don't like the way anim- uh, the technology is done in this show because it's practically magic. It's like the, the it's like the race car episode. The the guy who has the the nanotechnology that can just turn any piece of technology into anything just by uh, hacking it, and that really stretches my uh, my suspension of disbelief beyond the point of, uh, of salvageability. Um, yeah, that's about what I have at the moment. Uh, what I suppose I can stop there, and uh, where do we go from here? Okay, the your five minutes just ran out, Neil. Now it's time for my five minutes of not mentioning the Bruce Tim series in comparison. <laughs> okay, my time started. Uh, let's, let's start with the Bane episode. This episode was so bad. I mean... It's it's shameful that they ripped off a scene from the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man down to the angles for that scene. And what what does Detective Yin have like super duper hearing to hear like a sweat drop fall? I mean with with, the, with Norman Osborn that made sense because he he was infected with the with the, with that the Green Goblin serum and and stuff, you know, but <laughs> you know what I mean I mean that was that was offensive to me that they ripped off that scene. I mean Neil, didn't you notice that too? I did notice that, but I kind of let it go because there are bigger fish, fish to fry. Yeah, and, and let's talk about the Mr. Freeze episode. Didn't you just love that part? It, this episode's written by Greg Weissman, where where after he was partially frozen, uh, you know, Crap Man was having a, having a nightmare. It implied that Mr. Freeze killed his parents. Yeah. yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that, Richard? You can talk back, back anytime you want. By the way. Oh no, I'm gonna let you do your five minutes. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. And and Barbara Gordon. Let's, let's see here. I didn't like that character when she was called Jade because she's written exactly like Jade in Jackie Chan Adventures. And Jade, you can kind of tolerate because she's like what eight. And and but now we have a teenager's being all that's being all you know exactly like Jade, and it's it's. <sighs> In, in let, let's talk about Bennett being turned into Clayface. A lot of this episode is ripped off from the Alan Moore comic, The Killing Joke. A comic that Alan Moore has said outright in multiple interviews was the worst work he ever did. But do it, you agree with that? It, Sorry to interrupt. It, do, you, do you agree that The Killing Joke is actually bad? I think I think it was an unnecessary direction, and other writers after Moore made the ramifications of The Killing Joke work. Okay. And, uh, for instance, in The Killing Joke, it's Jim Gordon that the Joker has chained, torturing, and not by showing him a whirly wheel, but by showing him pictures of, of his daughter shot bleeding on the ground. <laughs> so, so, so really, in the whole, the whole, all you need is one bad day, that's a line directly from The Killing Joke. So, so, in, it, just the whole idea that Bennett has been tortured at the hands of the Joker by showing him a whirly wheel. <laughs> it, this is something a Hanna Barbera villain does, isn't it, Neil? Uh, yeah. Uh, one, one thing, uh, the uh, the wheelchair bound Barbara Gordon was brought up earlier. Uh, the thing is that in the Killing Joke, it actually was part of the story. I've never seen the episode where uh, where they go to the future and show the wheelchair bound Barbara Gordon, but it, 
I get the I get the suspicion that maybe it's just there to be there and not really tied to any part of the story. Did you get that impression, Ben? I, I saw the episode. The whole idea of the episode was to show their rendition. They they asked uh, Jeff Matsuda to crappily draw a rendition of the Dark Knight Returns Batman, and that that was the whole premise of this episode. They wouldn't want to have the big burly Batman from Dark Knight Returns, a fifty year old Batman. Oh, and there's also the story about Mister Freeze in the future and and shit. Yeah, they have that, that's not important. And and and, uh, and I have been torturing Neil for the past two weeks, showing him episodes of The Crap Man. And uh, I actually have every episode's these can actually be released commentaries eventually, and they're glorious. It's 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 actually quite glorious. It's a uh, it uh, we just tonight actually before the podcast watched a a crap, a crap man Superman story, and. So those memories are fresh on your mind, Neil. Let's hear some of those. Um, the fact that they that they did Batman totally wrong, or not Batman, Super. Well, they did both of them wrong, but Superman was portrayed as being someone opposed to to playing with, with the team or whatever, whatever that was. He, about, he was portrayed but, as a dick. It was like this whole episode could yeah. be superdickery.com. Yeah, it was like he didn't want to he he didn't want to team up with Batman for some reason. That. I don't know. That doesn't seem like Superman to me. Well, the whole idea is they have to have them opposed to each other just to make the initial conflict interesting. And that's my egg timer. That's quite an egg timer. So it's. Well, if you want to finish your thought, I'll let you finish your thought. I don't have no problem with that. Well, the whole idea is the writers, being being uh, inept monkeys as they are, uh, decided to uh, to try to ape on all the other stories where Superman and Batman meet by having them always done. You know, always opposed to each other at first. So, see, but they forgot that that season before they had Batman join the Justice League. So this Batman's obviously a team player. So they had to make Superman diametrically opposed to that just to make some drama. Drama. Yeah, but it didn't work. Okay. And uh, let, let's let's hear let's hear about the spores, Neil. Neil. The the spores that uh, magically uh, make people fall under Poison Ivy's control. But. But for some reason, Lex Luthor. Yeah, he's able to use them for some reason. I, they kind of work in the same way that, uh, you know, your standard Hanna Barbera hypnotic mist would work. You know, you breathe it in, and then the bad guy goes, "You are now under my control." And of course, Superman and/or Batman immediately fall for that. Yeah. Now, poison ivy spores have been used many times in the comics. I actually do think there actually is an issue. I'd have to dig through my comic collection. Where they actually did do that to Superman, so that was. I but think but, that but it was is, Poison that, Ivy that did it. Why is Lex? No, no, I think that actually is lifted from the comic. I actually do think there's an issue where they did that. I'm pretty sure of it. No, you're thinking of World's Finest Three, where it was Superboy, who actually is a human, so that makes sense. Oh, okay. No, I seen it before Dungeon them more. But uh, I, you know what? If you want to argue Lex Luthor's super genius ability to take spores and alter them, you're talking about a guy with that IQ. Well, we're talking about a guy that never looks at satellite data to find out Superman's Clark Kent, but, you know, Crapman does, so, yeah. It's because those are his satellites. Lex Luthor doesn't own those. I'm sure he has one or two birds up there. I'm sure he does, but, you know, Lex Luthor's always been a bizarre villain to me, because my first introduction... He can send robots up there. Yeah, he can send robots up to fight Superman, but God forbid he ever just, like, slips a tracking device on him or laces the Metropolis' water with kryptonite or something. Well, it's so common that everyone knows about it. You know what? I I think if I lived in Metropolis, I would carry kryptonite with me, just in case he goes evil. I mean, he leaves it everywhere. 
So so let, let, let's get back to this uh, to some of the other crappy scenes. Let, let's start with episode one with you know the the crap in the belfry. Yeah. Well, I believe that was Firefly, wasn't it? No. That was uh, was that Joker? Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, yeah, Joker breaks into Arkham or he breaks into Arkham Radio. Yeah. And uh, you could tell Greg Weisman was working on this cartoon because he took it to Detective, uh, you know, uh, Elise Maza and made her Asian, but kept kept the exact same outfit. Well, you know what though they they they, they were phased they phased out Bennett and they phased out Yin uh, at the end of the series to bring in Gordon. Yes, they did, which shows that they were never really confident with their decisions. Uh, I I think that was kind of an early decision because they wanted to have Gordon come in. And they want to have I, the I, I disagree. They, I mean, they did the bad signal. They did everything at the end. They did very much. Well, I like, think that's kind of backlash. That, that's, that's reactionary, not planned. Reactionary, not planned. But that's... you know, I mean, you, I, you know what? I'm just saying that we do not know how far in advance they plan this series. I think we do. I, do. Do. We, I think we really do. We can tell by the tone that Sam Richardson had in that interview. Have you ever read the interview, Richard? No, but I don't think you can take tone from reading something. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to speculate. I'm I, there's enough there to to hang register on just with what he says explicitly. Not, okay, let, let's talk about that interview, Neil. I I showed Neil the full interview just today. Not available on any tune reviewing sites. It's available on a YouTube forum of all places because yeah, Edge, well, Edge wrote the crappy song. So yeah, well, I already covered what what was most egregious about that. Uh, I suppose you're you're talking about the the comment about about adults who live in their mother's basement, yeah. you know, preferring the, the original series. But um, that was, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even uh, concerned about that being true. That was just, that was just him being dismissive of like the prior audience. It, 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 and, and keep in mind, this was interviewed like a month before the first episode aired. But also what he did was he, he basically said, this is for, this is for younger audiences this is for kids. I'm like, but the original show is for kids, and the I, original I don't know show. Because it, 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 it aired at four four p.m. right after school. I know it. I, it was I, I know what time it aired at, but I, I'm willing to say if you took the Batman animated series, the original one, and you said I want to show this today at four p.m., I don't think they'd let you. That show, and I don't think it's the guns or anything like that. I think it's very much that show was rather intelligent. It, it was a very good show, and all you know, my defense for the Batman is. For making a show hip and making it for a younger audience, Poochie. they did succeed. Scrappy. No, but what I'm saying is that they could make a show for kids without without Dumbing being down. condescending. Yeah, and, and that's my, that's and that was called the Batman, the Brave and the Bold. No, no. The number one thing I hate is this whole "it's for kids" bullshit because that's what what people do when they say that is basically say we don't have to try hard. It's just for a child. We don't care what the child consumes. It, it 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 is insulting. It's insulting to our next generation. Yeah. It's insulting to the medium of animation itself. And and going back to what whether or not Batman the animated series was targeted at kids. Yes, it absolutely was because it was on in the same block with Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. It was actually also directly opposing. You know the the Spider-Man cartoon was on a separate channel opposing it at the same time slot. So. So right there. So super quick we're not note. Talking I just about... saw that again. That Spider-Man cartoon this morning. Yeah, the shitty one. My daughter. Yeah. God, that sucked. I remember loving that show. That that sucked. Oh <laughs> wow! Well, I, well, I don't know why I like that. Well, the nostalgia glasses fell off, Neil. It actually worked for for one person. The nostalgia glasses actually <laughs> fell off. 
The CGI was terrible on that show. I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe I loved this show as a kid. It was the Blade episode. It was the episode where Blade comes in. And I was just like, this is... Ooh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Pain. Oh, let, let's, let's talk about... Okay, so... Let's talk so about... Back to Batman. <laughs> let's talk about Man Bat. All right. Whose who's motivation is he wants to be the opposite of Batman. Yes. Okay, Man Bat's always fucking crazy. The, the idea behind the guy is crazy. <laughs> that doesn't excuse poor writing. Well, you know what? I mean, how poor is it to say that the guy wants power? It's very poor because how can you have power if you're not sentient? What what do you do? You 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 just live in a cave all day and you. you I don't think his idea. It, you know. it, it it doesn't make sense. What's the end game here? Well, I don't think the idea was to not be sentient. Well, that, you know, no one wants to give up their intelligence, especially a guy who's a professor. You know, no one aims to give up intelligence. I think he I think he aimed for the physicality of it. I don't think he aimed for the. We have to be careful not to uh, not to graft on uh, uh, fan explanations onto these episodes because I didn't get that at all. I, I I got the impression that he wanted to be this bat creature, and I the fact that they never really explained it is a fault of the show. Exactly, you, fan theories don't equal good writing yeah. because because that that's the exact same crap people use to try to say Speedy's appearance is how uh, is how. Uh, how that how that works for uh, you know with the Justice League tying together with Teen Titans and we all know that's bullshit. Or my favorite example, which is that uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia sharing that moment in the Ewok village where she remembers her mother. She was force remembering. Oh, she was force something. I always just assumed that her mother, her like uh, what is it, uh, Senator Organa's like wife died early. You know. Well, that's what know, I assumed. I I assumed that I, the prequels weren't written yet, so bullshit. Well, I mean, after the prequels, that made sense to me. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I I've I've got a problem with that too, but <laughs> maybe I'll explain it after the show because. Okay, and uh, Tom Revor will be joining us shortly. He just woke up. Oh. So. Uh, so let's let's continue. Uh, okay, so so Man Bat. That let, let's talk about what they. It, it, the first couple seasons of the of this show, they don't call him Batman. What do they call him, Neil? The Batman. It's the Batman. Hey, the Batman. Stop the Batman. Hey, he's the goddamn Batman. Let him be who he wants to be. Uh, don't reference that Frank Miller shit but, again. But it was getting... It was getting what? Uh, what? What? Did you just say that I can't... You just said I can't talk about the Frank Miller Batman comic? We're not talking about All-Star, no. Okay, I'm right, sorry. I, I, you know, I just want to reference it real quick as a little interesting. Yeah. It was getting, it was reaching Homestar esque. Homestar uh, Rudder esque. <laughs> yeah, because because they have a character in that in that series called the Cheat, and the way they address that character is, "Hi, the Cheat." <laughs> and I don't think it ever got that bad with the with the Batman, but it was uh, it was getting kind of silly. Kinda. Okay, it was really fucking silly. <laughs> I mean, in, in situations where it would just be more natural to say, "Hey, that's Batman," they'll say. Oh, the Batman! I know, and like I said, I just you know these early episodes were the Brad were the bad brandishing ones where it's like, hey, stop! I'm brand brandishing, brandishing my badge. Hey, he didn't stop. Maybe I need to do it harder. I'm not doing it hard enough. The light isn't reflecting off my badge nearly hard enough to blind him. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Let me, let me talk about Mr. Freeze here with you guys here real quickly, where we can talk about it openly. Oh, you mean Mr. Mr. You, Freeze? You, I, I'll say this. Iceman. Okay, Mr. Freeze. Iceman. <laughs> the guy who is Mr. Freeze in this show. Uh, Where's Farstar? Mr. Freeze. 
It's so hard. Uh, it's Lizard. so hard to even get a sentence out. Uh, <laughs> all right, so he's he's a jewel thief in this one. He doesn't have his wife Nora, and he's not a scientist. Now that kind of goes with the original Mister Freeze. Uh, the the crappy one. I, that I, Bruce I think that this does. Yes. This gives an element to Mister Freeze that hasn't been used since the Batman animated series, which is Mister Freeze can be a dangerous, stone cold motherfucking killer. So, and it's not because my emotions are repressed because I'm frozen. It's because he's a fucking jewel thief and he will kill you if you get the fuck out of the way. But that just makes him common. And that makes him common with a mutant power. Yeah. It's not even, it's, not even a, it's a girl. mutant power. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. It, it, We're going to have to talk about the mutant this and mutant that. I mean, it, I I got to say something. I really hate the X-Men logic of behind mutation. It That's not the way evolution works. That's not the way mutations work. Every time they said mutant or mutation in the show, I groaned hard. He did. I have the audio. No, okay, a couple episodes. I want to know if you guys watched. Uh, did you guys see? I forget the episode. It's a Hugo Strange episode where uh, yeah, I saw that, the entire the entire Gotham is pretty much zombies. Um, no, I saw the other one, the the one that they ripped off of that Vincent D'Onofrio Jennifer Lopez movie. Yes. Oh yeah, that was weird. Uh, there's one where they uh, they. All of Gotham is zombies, and Batman is pretty much fighting, you know, zombie Robin, zombie Batgirl. He's fighting everyone as zombies, trying to save the day. When in the end, he's the creepy guy. It was very good. So it's the happening. It's it's an M Night Shyamalan directed movie. It, it does have it very much does have the twist ending to it, not to ruin it, but it is it is very good and has a lot of Batman. It does, honey, it, honey, that episode that dress was ruined when you put it on. It has a lot of really good draws from the comic where Batman has multiple places like he has multiple hideouts that people don't know about even you know Robin and Batgirl don't know about these places and it does a lot of how Batman is very secretive and a very paranoid individual even when he's not crazy or infected with something he is a very paranoid very he doesn't include everyone in his wishes and stuff like that well, they did that same with the kind of ending episode where they had the whole Justice League and Batman had to help people fight and stuff like that where Batman had come up with ways to hurt everyone which is drawn from you know, and the anti-Hawkman weapon is a gun. Just a regular gun. Wasn't it a net gun? <laughs> that's worse. Well, that's how you would defeat Hawkman. That's worse. <laughs> that or a machine gun would defeat Hawkman, really. Okay. Uh, uh, ben, what is it that the Batman doesn't do? Shoot people. <laughs> but these guns don't kill, so. Yeah, they're Nerf guns. Hey, Tom? Hello, hello. Okay, um, we already went through the whole timer thing where I, I had half my brain tied behind my back to make things fair. So uh, so uh, <laughs> Richard gave his defense by saying that by, that it did its, it did its job by making the show hip. So, uh, Tom, I want to hear your response to that. I think if that show was any more unhip, its pants would have fallen down. It was an attempt to go through and make a manga version of Batman. And it didn't have either the style or creativity of most of the manga or anime uh, or of the westernization version of Batman either. Well, let's talk about the artwork itself, because Jeff Matsuda sucks. Oh. Because he draws faces concave, not just concave, fucking concave. And he draws. No matter what you think about the person who did it, uh, you can definitely tell that it was heavily influenced to try to be that anime style. Yeah. Without having an anime look. Um, now I saw the animated. I saw the animated version of Batman. It was called Batman Gotham Knights. It was the biggest piece of garbage they ever made. 
But they it actually had good animation stuff. I'll, I'll disagree with you because I, I'm mad because I think the storylines were rather good, staying within sort of a Batman Begins uh, close to that style, uh, being the more darker. And, of course, having uh, Kevin Conroy do the voice is always good. Uh, the animation style, I enjoyed the experimental versions that they had of the different ones. Some of them weren't as good as the others. Some of them were absolutely beautiful. But it was different. The The Batman was Crabman. a very... A, it was a blatant attempt, not as blatant as, say, Teen Titans, to be an anime, but it tried to be anime without being anime, and you know, all things to all people and nothing to everyone. And like I said, uh, let's talk about how Jeff Matsuda draws fingertips. Neil? You mean that they're fucking flat? <laughs> that it looks like the, the Acme anvil landed on them? Gecko, man. Yeah. It's, I uh... will agree, they almost look as big as the palm. The size <laughs> draws of that. And... Let's... Well, he draws them as, like, rectangles. I think he has yeah. some kind of weird hand fetish when he draws. Except for the Batman himself, where he drew him with claws. I- I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, when did Bruce Wayne become Wolverine? <laughs> well, he's talking about Wolverine claws. No, they're more like okay. Catwoman's claws. You want to talk about claws? Claws are used for climbing. Very basic thing that he would need to do if he's Batman. But what about when he needs to, like, touch computers and stuff? It's like, shouldn't he, He like... He can hold his hand. I can type in gloves. Like, what are you talking about here? Can you type in gloves? gloves? I don't know. know. Let's try it. You guys have so much trouble with long fingernails have typing. (laughs) Yeah, they have to, like, press down and, like, out when they type. I've seen it happen all the time. But... No, it was, again, it was an attempt to make it hip and cool, you know, because at the time, X-Men was popular, uh, both the live action and the a- animations in uh, the uh, X-Men Evolution. Wolverine is always popular. Uh, there was a big fan following for um, Sabretooth, who did have the claws on there. So claws were in. And that's the whole reason why they had it. I mean, it's, it's the only version that re- actually required something like that. Required that maybe had claws. Batman that, Begins does not have claws. He did. He had snap-out claws. They showed it in an episode. His snap-out claws for climbing. Batman Begins? Well, yes, they did. First episode. Are you talking about Batman Beyond? Sorry, Batman Beyond. What the hell am I talking about Batman? They snap out. They aren't always yeah. out. Yeah, well, this is Batman's first beta prototype. There you go. And Batman has had claws before in the comics. They snap out. They don't... No. Bat, uh, Gene Paul Valley, when he was Batman during the Nightfall saga. That doesn't count! So you're going to the 90s failure of Batman with the whole dark, uh, Nightfall thing. You're, you're going with Azrael? To... Freaking Azrael? Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh. But on its own merits, I mean, the storylines the story were. You can tell they were going for a 11 to 13 target audience. Well, what I could tell was this: it's it, it. They had this beautiful series that was a masterwork with with, with talent, actual, honest to goodness talent. And you had this guy named Sam Register who was in charge of the room that says, "Oh, you see this? Do the exact opposite." Well, more than that, I mean, because you don't have to do exactly because DC animated universe. I mean, Batman animated series, Superman animated series, Justice League, is in a class by itself. Excellent writing, excellent voice acting, excellent animation styles, with some exceptions at times. So you weren't going to recapture that lightning in a bottle with a new team. However, where the Batman failed, they had shown that it doesn't have to be DC Animated Universe, as they had shown with Batman Brave and the Bold, where they went back to a 50-60 style. They didn't do the dark, gritty Batman. They did something a little more lighthearted. They did something completely different. And it worked. 
Oh, actually, in the in that the twenty five year old living in their mother's basement interview, Tom. Yes. Uh, Sandwich says that he thinks that the Crap Man is more gritty than uh, Batman the animated series. To which I say, Batmobile with glowing blue lights. That makes me think of the last two Joel Schumacher Batman films. Oh God. And that's exactly it, it, it was for a toy. Oh, actually, the, actually, my favorite thing is Neil kept on, Neil actually asked me in the middle of an episode we were watching, Ben, are they riffing on the Joel Schumacher sh- shit? And I'm like, no, Neil. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't think that they intended to do that type of stuff. However, I because it was obviously they wanted to have a Batmobile toy and they needed something action-y for it, i.e. glowing lights for toys like that. Again, target audience. Now, let me go ahead and also set the record straight. I don't think that it was an absolute failure. Um, as I've told you before, Ben, there was one episode of The Batman that I think was far and beyond all the other ones. All, everything else failed except for the Harley Quinn episode. Which yeah, was written the by... of Harley Quinn was awesome. It was but not... It, you know what? I don't, wrote the episode. I don't think you can call it reimagining when the creator of the character himself wrote it. Exactly. It, and it, actually, I like... Uh, Paul Dini wrote the Harley Quinn episode, who was, again, one of the creators of DC Animated Universe. And the creator creator of of Harley Quinn. The creator and also the best Satana. Yeah, the best Satana writer I've ever read. But I actually liked that version of Harley better than the original one, because Harley Quinn did seem more like a pop psychologist, TV stylist, uh, as opposed to someone who would have been working in Arkham. That makes more sense My wife's a psychologist, and she totally does not like the Harley Quinn character, because... She's like, no one does that. There's so many checks and balances in the asylum that you would never be able to get away with that. Well, you know what? The, uh, we recently rewatched Mad Love, and actually, I was surprised that Mad Love got through the censors. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, because, you know, even just the little nuance stuff, like the hinting of uh, Harley and Ivy's lesbianism in that early shot, right, Neil? Yeah. And well, the, and the original then, source for Mad Love uh, was a Paul Dini written comic. And that one was uh, actually that, that much, was, much darker. Oh, yeah. And but my favorite scene was when they're walking down the hallway. There's this guy that walks up to the glass wall in his cell and just starts licking it, and he just keeps on licking it. I and thought that it, was very that was very sound the lands. It was, and I, and I'm like, how did they get this past the censors? Well, John Kay explained how they got how they got away with that shit all the time. That you know, whenever scenes like that came up, they'd be like, hey, how about that baseball game yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also. There's a point system that you can use. You know, you're allowed a certain number of points per episode, and you can do something. If you're short on those points in one episode, you can actually add them in to a point. So a lot of those, that's why they had some of their episodes that were a lot tamer, so they could build up some points to do some of this stuff with Mad Love. Yeah, and the... It's... I think you can also buy those points from other companies, too. No, that's carbon credits, and that's a fraud. <laughs> and, uh... But uh, <laughs> back, back to the shitty ep- series, uh... It's uh, so yeah. It's what, what was the episode after the the man bad episode, Neil? The one that okay, the, the Catwoman episode. Let's talk where 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 the the crime lord is a Jackie Chan villain. The Catwoman oh, episode yeah. that made me long for uh, Julie Newmar. She did the meows and the cats better than whoever the voice actress for the bad. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah that that quote unquote comedian. Yeah, Gina Gershon is a comedian. I, she tries to be. I've never seen her do it. Emphasis on tries. <laughs> but, uh, oh my god, this, this show, this show's just so bad. And, like I said, the one thing that baffled me was, 
the Mr. Freeze episode where Batman catches a cold from being frozen, which they stole from the, the animated series episode. And uh, the the Bat- Bruce Wayne's starting to doubt his role as Batman, and he's thinking of quitting because he has a fever. And then he has a nightmare where it implies that Mr. Freeze killed his parents. Yeah. This episode, I don't. This episode was written by Greg Weissman, Neil. I don't think that's what their intention was, but <laughs> you know, just 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 knowing the way other people write, you know, it's it's a natural conclusion to come to that that's what that meant, and that really put a put an angle on that episode that was very bizarre. It was just, yeah, absolutely. You're gonna you're going to think watching it that uh, Mr. Freeze killed killed the Wayne. <laughs> Well, and the, but didn't he have the same crazy dream in the first Batman movie that Tim Burton did, where he thinks that the Joker killed his mother and father? Oh, that was the Tim Burton movies, and uh, yeah, yeah, and that actually that was up, the case. I thought that was kind of an homage to that. That's what I felt like when I watched it. Was it was an homage? Well, I, I look yeah. at it this way. I mean, Tim, I'm like I, I'm I'm the old guy of the group, and I grew up on the Adam West Batman series. So, I mean, when you say Mister Freeze to me earlier, I would always think Otto Preminger, you know, wild. It, it was campy. So, so the Batman the animated series where they took this goofball character. I mean, whether it was in the Batman TV series or Mister Freeze in the comics up to that point, there was no rhyme or reason to it. He was he was Captain Cold for Batman. Yeah, and that's the one thing that the that you that the see Richard said that he liked the fact that they brought Mister Freeze back to where he's a jewel thief, thus he's more dangerous or something like that. What, what? Uh, have Arnold voice him then. Oh. And I don't want to listen to bitch and whine about oh Nora, I have to get this for Nora. Right. No, it, it gave a lot more. In that pathos. movie was ridiculous. It gave a lot more pathos. It gave a background. It gave a motivation to the character. And I actually think that a, a Mr. Freeze, the guy who has a freeze gun and can do cryogenic stasis, needs more background. It's the same as saying the guy who has nanotechnology. Why is he robbing anyone? The guy's got a freeze gun and cryogenic stasis. Well, the, the guy was robbing he, people because he needed money to run his car. Oh, uh, yeah, that's kind of a weird one. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, why is Mister Freeze doing anything bad? Like, I can see him going after the people that well, caused the accident. But, what, but why? Well, why does? does he... Why not just sell the cryogenic technology? Why does he need diamonds? Why? He, 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 what? What does he use diamonds for? Well, I... he requires it to power his suit. I mean, because you know, diamonds are a huge power source. Yeah, so it's just like palladium. Yeah, <laughs> unobtainium. <laughs> can I? Can I jump back to the uh, to the? Mr. Freeze gun gunning down uh, the Waynes again. Uh, as, as far as an homage to the original cartoon, or I mean to the original movie, I it could have been an homage, but again, uh, in order for that to work, it, it has to imply that that Mr. Freeze killed his parents, and that I don't think they were going for that. And that's kind of where the the, the quote unquote homage falls apart. It, but you also have to take in consideration. It really did seem like they wanted to do a different version of Batman than had ever been done before. They didn't want the Batman of DCAU. They did not want Batman from the movies, whether it be Tim Burton or Joel Schumacher. They did not want the comic book Batman. They wanted something new, something hip. You know, it it was the New 52 back then. (sighs) It it didn't gel. They They added a few things in there. I liked the character of Detective Yin. I thought that was a great addition. And it could have worked alongside the Jim Gordon character. Eliza Maza. I don't care. I mean, she Asian was, Lisa yeah, Maza. She was a great character. I liked the character. Yeah, but I really didn't have a problem. Killed that off. I mean, they just. Well, they, she was they, the only they, cop that actually did the work because he's like, oh, I'm going to actually do what I'm doing. And Ben is like, 
I don't know. I, it doesn't seem right. And Neil kept on shouting during those episodes, fired, fired, fired. Yeah, he, he should have been writing parking tickets <laughs> yeah. after, after like the second episode. Well, I mean, as soon as he started the first episode where they had him, uh, you know, I'm an old friend of Bruce Wayne's and I'm going to be investigating Bruce Wayne. Um, I'm sorry, there's this little thing called conflict of interest. What, what I love I, is how I, they got, what, what I love is how they got a warrant to search Wayne Tech because what was the good deal? They saw some bats fly towards the Wayne Tech building, and they just went to a judge and says, "Oh, we saw some bats fly towards the Wayne Tech building. We want, we think he might be Batman." Okay, weren't granted. Boom. Of course, this was well, also after the Patriot Act, so they really didn't need the warrant. Well, and it's Gotham is supposed to be a version of New York. I mean, because the laws don't exactly work there; they would do anywhere else. Well, as- the the thing that really, uh, actually, the two parter, the you know, the 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 Clayface two parter at the end of the season one. Let's talk about that. If the police commissioner is to believe, it's Batman's fucking fault. Because what well, does he say? He says that Gotham, before Batman showed up, was had the le- had the smallest crime rate in the country. And after Batman showed up with all these super criminals, is now the one number one place that no one wants to visit. So, and the way the crime is reported is if there's ever a crime, it's reported. It doesn't mean it's investigated, but it means it's reported. And Everyone would report a crime. You want to know why? For insurance purposes. If you're robbed, you can report the crime so you can re- get reimbursed by your insurance. So it actually... Not everyone reports crime. What? Not everyone reports crime for that reason. A lot of people don't report crime because of, out of fear. So, you know, if you want to talk about that, Batman inspires people to uh, I don't, not live in fear. I'm calling bullshit on that. Uh, Neil? Um... I don't know. Because I'm, because I'm, also downgrades what happened to the Waynes as just a random tragedy versus a symptom of a bigger problem. And I'm, I'm really, that that's the biggest problem I have here is it was a throwaway line written by Greg Weissman without really thinking about it. It's, you know, maybe Register was breathing down his neck. It's, but, you know, how much of Weissman... Media is also attractive. I mean, if you're, I mean, I, where I'm from, Halifax, had a lot of crime. It was never reported. The cops never released accurate numbers. And it wasn't until people start looking at the the actual facts and start looking at shootings and stuff like that, they're saying, okay, there's more shootings in the news than there are the cops are saying. And it's because once news it's, once news gets attention to the actual crimes that are happening, crime rates... Can I throw a monkey up. wrench in this? Yes. Can I throw a monkey wrench? Uh, this is a show for kids, and no kid is at the age of 11 is going to think of this. Yeah. I'm just saying... Well, it was a throwaway line. It was a throwaway line to differentiate it from... Again, the Gotham of DCAU or the Batman movies, where crime had been a consistent thing. And, and, the, and Batman himself, as a symbol, if not anything else, is required to help alleviate the problem versus, you know, like I said, it also downgrades, like, you know, it makes, it makes Bruce Wayne's decision to become Batman a lot more questionable because in every other medium, it is always said that Dwayne's death was a symptom of a much larger problem. Well, not always. I mean, actually, in the comics, it wasn't. Uh, they never said Gotham was more or less crime. Um, it was based off of the 40s New York. Let's not play with our, with each other here. Right. However, the whole thing about, I mean, it was supposed to be Joe Chill killing it, and then it was escalated into Chill was basically a hired gun to specifically kill the Waynes because of Lou Moxon, who did a stint in prison because an attempted robbery was stopped by Thomas Wayne. And if you don't believe me, take a look at the original Batman, not Bruce Wayne, but the story called The First Batman, where it was Thomas Wayne and Martha who went to a costume party, and he had this Bat-style costume. I remember that, yes. So it, it, it became, I mean, it wasn't until 
uh, Batman Begins, that it became the continual problem that Gotham was a big city in trouble. Well, that's not exactly true. I mean, this was hinted at in the earlier stories, especially Long Halloween. And also, year one, it hinted at, you know, the these crime lords were feuding over... I mean, it, it wasn't as overt, but it was definitely elements of the story. Well, yeah, look, year again, one had a lot of the crime had kind of infiltrated almost everything and was controlling the city. I'm from Chicago. It was nothing new to me. <laughs> so Neil. You know, I mean, to where the best mayor that Chicago ever had was as crooked as the day is long. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, most of the mayors of Chicago were as crooked as the day was long. Aren't all the mayors of Chicago in jail, like, consecutively for a few years there? No, no, no. Uh, I don't remember about Harold Washington, but uh, Jane Byrne never was, although she had the Cabrini Green incident behind her. Um, but that's, that's getting off of it. They never, to me, they had never really said Gotham was higher in crime than anybody other city. There was nothing specific about that. There may have been things overt or covert about it, but nothing overt about it until the Batman Begins movie. Okay, I can definitely agree with that, but I think that, you know, like I said, there were hints of, you know, the fact that there were organized families that were having dinner with the police commissioner and as a Chicago and I can understand how you're just thinking, Oh, this is like any other city. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I I'd, I'd say that uh But remember Al Capone's you know, Metropolis has way more problems? What? Metropolis seems like it has more problems than Gotham does. Well, that, that's another... There's an alien invasion there every week. Well, to quote Alton Brown, that's another show. Mm. But uh, back to uh, back to the crap man, it's... Yeah. Uh, can I jump in here really yeah. quick? Uh, Gina Gershon, I I think I was thinking of Sandra Bernhardt. Okay. Yeah, Sandra oh, Bernhardt. God, why would you want to do that? Quote-unquote comedian that I was thinking of. Okay. I, 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 from, for some reason, I from, uh, got them confused. Or whatever it was. Yeah. One of the oh, two big pros oh, of Hudson Hawk. Would you like to swing on a star? Hey, it was pretty good. I liked it, except for, oh, God. There were a couple of the two actresses. Would you, would you like to play Nintendo with me? Uh, actually, I love Hudson, Hudson Hawk. It's one of the greatest musicals ever. But, uh, but with. But, the, yeah, I mean, there was so much wrong with character style. It really was. Let's do something completely different. For the no, sake I mean, of being different, not for the sake of exploring okay, real a new, question, new Real question. How old were you guys in 2003 when the show came out? Well, I'm 28 now, so you can do the math. Okay. So you're only, you're only a little bit older than I am. Yeah. Let's see, 2003, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, I was in my late 30s. And the, See, that's the problem. Is, is I would have been like 15. I enjoyed this. I'm not looking at a nostalgic point. I enjoyed the show because at the time, that's the animated style that was going on. Well, it, it, back when I saw it, I mean, it struck me. Now, let me say, I liked Jackie Chan Adventures. I thought it was a fun show. It didn't take itself too seriously, but it didn't go completely gaga either. No. And it was obvious that the Batman was going to be Jackie Chan Adventures with Bruce Wayne. And they even, you know, like I said, I could take Jade because Jade was, what, eight? Huh? Well, and she was the spunky kid character. Yeah, but she was eight, and, and, and that much spunk you can understand from an eight-year-old. Uh, they gave the exact same amount of spunk from uh, to, to Barbara Gordon, and that doesn't work. But Barbara Gordon is a spunky character in the comics. Um, not like that. Not like mm, that. I take Batgirl year one and say that. Uh, she's um, no. Pretty spunky in that. Well, remember, I mean, Batman or Batgirl year one, uh, she was already out of high school. 
Yes, she was already in. Uh, was it, she was she was she in university or she graduated in university? She was uh, in university, I believe they had. I, I thought she was already out. She was already working as a librarian in that in year one, back row year one. Yeah, she'd kind of finished. She'd gone to the FBI and everybody and all these criminal justice courses, and they're all like, "Well, whatever, so bad." Well, well, you sure? There's a there's a difference between it, which is ironic because they draw bad girl tall, tall and curvy. Yeah, and not here. Yeah, uh, but I mean, oh, don't even get me started about that because I think that episode where they introduce Bad Girl is one of the worst episodes of all. Well, number one is is what's her reason to becoming Bad Girl, Neil? Uh, she saw Batman fighting and said, "Hey, I want to do that." <laughs> well, uh, but let's it's a dumb down I mean, story. It is the original Bad Girl. I mean, the reason she was going to the costume party as Bat Girl was because she was inspired by Batman. And she said she was in costume when Killer Moth uh, was attempting to hold people up. She just went with it. So, I mean, it's not too far different from what the original origin of Batgirl was. But the the dialogue, I mean, the, I think they even told the actress to try to emulate the uh, the nuances of, of Jade's voice actress from Jackie Chan because the whole... I think it's Aww. the same voice actress. No, it's not. Is it? Yeah, we checked. Oh. And it, I like how you got to check, too. You're like, oh, right, yeah. Well, we thought the same thing. <laughs> it was that annoying. Hey. Yes, it's a, and like I said, with an eight-year-old, it's not it's not annoying. But for a fourteen-year-old, you're you're like, shut that kid up. And oh my God, these the, these episodes just got worse and worse. And The Apprentice. I want to Neil talk about The Apprentice. Oh, which one was The Apprentice? It's the one where Joker has a sidekick. How how effortless was it for him to turn that kid evil? I mean, he, he he strung up the principal on on a on a on a flagpole, and that was all it took. And then they were shooting gumballs at at the buildings. At these, gumballs yeah. at buildings. Was Cesar Romero doing the Joker at the time? No, it was still Kevin Michael Richardson. I mean, my heavens! Oh, I, actually, I, at, yes. least with, at least with Tim Drake, it took drugs and electric shocks. <laughs> and it was is Andrea Romano voicing him? Uh, only the laugh. And you, actually, you want to know the most offensive thing about that episode to me? The rewrites? No, no. The episode of The Apprentice of the Crap Man. No. Okay. Um, there was this part where this kid, who is Barbara Gordon's classmate, who became jo- the Joker's apprentice, is telling the Joker his plans. And he says this one plan about having oh. people trapped in a crossword puzzle. And uh, Kevin Richardson does his says, to Riddler. But he doesn't just say to Riddler. You're familiar with the episode version of Mad Love, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. Mark Hamill said that line originally, and they told Kevin Richardson to rip off Mark Hamill's delivery of that line. Oh. And I actually, well, I actually made Neil watch Mad Love, and Neil enjoyed I, it. But once again, I don't think I, I think you're you're very you're giving them a very aggressive tone towards it, but I don't think that they looked at him and said, "All right, Kevin, can you just uh, rip I think off they did. Mark I, Hamill?" I, I, I think they, they probably said, did. "Listen, we're doing like this this line and this line kind of add up." When the writer wrote it, he was thinking about this. Um, no, you I want to do that, it like you can, that. You can, you can tell by the way he said it that he, they made him uh, listen to Mark Hamill's delivery. Yeah, no, I think they did, but I don't think they made him like, okay, now we're gonna blatantly rip it off. And they're not well, like, you know, why would like, you make a voice actor listen to another actor's delivery of the exact same lines you want him to say? But you know unless what? Unless you want know, him to maybe ape maybe off Kevin of was it. Was a fan of the show? Like maybe Kevin was a fan of the Batman animated series. So you're oh, saying that this. Be. So you're saying? I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You are you 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 like to add very very uh, like aggressiveness to the show that they're they like they almost went out there to destroy the Batman animated series. And, Not destroy. You, it's 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 you, perfectly you preserved. Make, it's, 
Well, you make it seem like they're just this very let's destroy Batman. You don't. You don't Twenty-five make it seem year olds that live in their mother's basements. Next. I guess I I don't want to spend too much time speculating. So I've. That's, That's one of those saying. things that I would just let it go. Ben, you're being very speculative of the show. I, I know what Sam Register's like. I've read interviews with him, and the guy comes off as pompous and an ass, and he was he was spearheading this show. And and I'm not going to believe for a minute that, that he, you know, with the level of control he had, and he had hyper control on this show, that he didn't do little things like that because I, I know for a fact, I mean, you know, Greg Weissman, love, her, love him or hate him, he got, you know, he got bad results from Greg Weissman repeatedly. Well, I mean, I won't speculate on what Register said or did not say. All I will say is that uh, I mean, I like Kevin Michael Richardson, some of the voice acting he did. Yeah. That was not the right casting for Joker. No. Neither is Spider-Man as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast, Join us here on the telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! Well, I mean, I, I didn't have too many problems with uh, Reno Romano uh, as Bruce Wayne. I mean, Again, it's coming off of Kevin uh, Conroy or Mark Hamill or I mean, with DCAU, you could tell they just didn't choose. Oh, we've got four voice actors to do 20 voices. We'll just do that. They went out and they got not just voice actors. They got high talent actors. I mean, take a look at the cast list. I'm, I'm astounded by the cast list of uh, DCAU. The Batman, it was standard voice actors. I mean, it, it almost like was like they had a budget slash where they had to use whoever was walking by. <laughs> they did get a few famous people on the show. They did get Robert England to do uh, to do the Riddler, and they did have you know Adam West, of course, as the mayor. Oh, you and, know any show that has Adam West as the mayor has to be good. Oh, well, now I mean, let, just think it's funny honest. how often he shows up as the mayor. Let's be honest. One of the top five episodes of Batman the Animated Series was Return of the Gray Ghost. I think that was before. Oh, yeah. That was before Adam West was cued in on the fact that he could... Of self-parody. I think that was before he had a talk with William Shatner. <laughs> After William Shatner talked with Adam West, Adam West is like, okay... I can make money on doing anything? <laughs> I, I think, I think you know, that was... Uh, you know what? There's no proof that they actually had a conversation, but I, I, I think that all the evidence is pointing that the two of them had a conversation around uh, 1998, and then that's what happened. Well, I mean, it, to me, it all comes down to one thing. When it comes to an animated show, whether it be cartoon or serious animation, whether it be anime or Western or European or whatever, you have to look at several different factors. You have to look at the art style. You have to look at the voice acting. You have to look at the writing. And then you have to look at the thing as a cohesive whole. The art style, to me, failed. It was, I mean, it, just coloration alone. Oh, God, yes. 
but uh, the people styles were not drawn. The character styles were way out there. I mean, you didn't get, you didn't get. Uh, I I understand what they were trying to do with the Joker and the uh, the straight jacket hanging off of him and no shoes. I mean, let's show that he's wild and crazy. Well, I mean, if you want that, put him in Steve Martin's suit. <laughs> wild and crazy uh, guys. Yep. You know, the closest they came. I, I kind of like the design that they had for Catwoman. I kind of like the design they had for the penguin. Um, I'm not even going to mention the Riddler because I don't want to. Marilyn I Manson. kind of, I kind of like the design for Mr. Freeze, but it was striving to reach something and missing the brass ring. And it didn't but, even get the pewter ring. So w- artistically it failed. And what I love is in the first two seasons, every time Batman comes across a problem, his solution is a new suit. Yeah. Toy. Oh. Well, I mean, you could, yeah. like I said, I, you they actually the didn't. Actually, influence. I looked for a lot of those as a kid. I did not find a lot of those suits of toys. You could tell oh. the anime influence, you know, like the Batmobile becoming a giant robot suit. Oh, God. It never happened. He didn't have the giant robot suit? He had the giant robot suit, but it never became, it was never the Batmobile Transformers, was it? Oh, that was Brave and the Bold, which I actually expected from that. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's okay. So character uh, animations and artistic-wise, Batman failed. And actually, Writing and characterization. Actually, I'm going to rip off a, a line from a, one of one of the more talented internet reviewers, SF Debris. And uh, the way that the, the crap man handles music is how most people would handle a toilet. It's you need one, but you don't really think about it. And that's the, the music in the crap man is kind of bland and not really there. And then when you watch the episode of Batman the Animated Series, the fact that the fact that Shirley Walker scores every episode and not no no doesn't doesn't write music no she scores it i mean there are episodes where the orchestra is playing for 22 minutes straight and it's it's phenomenal it's amazing it's you know every character has its own little musical cue and they just interweave into this constantly flowing music and it's it's beautiful it's it's magical it's it's well it goes back to i mean it does seem like the batman was written on a budget um i i, I thought you were about to say napkin no <laughs> Oh. Right, but um, yeah, I'll, let's add in music because I'll be honest, I kind of liked the opening theme music to the Batman until the very end. Yeah, the, the last change to it was over the top. For no, it. he's he's talking about the Batman. That that turned oh. some what was good music into a joke. Uh, you only know who wrote that, Tom? Not really, but you'll tell me anyway. <laughs> uh, it was Slash from YouTube. Slash Edge, wrote that. Not Slash. Edge. Edge. Yeah, not Slash. Slash, yeah. is, Slash is actually a, a patron saint, and, uh, and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, to me, Ed, Ed wrote that, not the Slash. Edge did the Batman. Slash did Phineas and Ferb. I mean, you know who's got my respect there. No, I like Slash. I don't like <laughs> I don't like Ed because Edge is from U two, and U two's crap. But uh, and uh, who 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 played Slash in the Guns N' Roses? One of our parents. But <laughs> but uh, back to uh, okay. So let's talk. Yeah, the music was forgettable. Season two, the, the the second opening. Let's or what Neil calls the most non-Batman music in the world, like a disco almost. No, it was it was aping off of the '60s with the wham bam. Yeah, yeah. And and the do 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 do. It's it was it was bad. It was it was pain. I don't I don't quite know how to describe it. it was did it have kind of a Hawaiian tang? Yeah, yeah. Well, my, yeah. my love is Batman just comes out in the surfboard halfway through. Well, my love is how with when I when Neil first heard that Neil says to me, "Ben, this is the most non-Batman music ever." <laughs> you know what? I just got a mental image of 
of uh, Adam West on the surfboard on the original 60s Batman. There was not well, there was an episode there, like that where yeah. in his full Batman outfit and he had Hawaiian style shorts on over it. Yes, yeah. I remember that actually. It was it was almost as bad as the shark repellent, but <laughs> the bat shark repellent. The bat shark repellent, because you know they have to be careful about those bat sharks. Yeah. Well, I mean, the uh, the redone the Batman theme music. I mean, you couldn't even bat two C two. So, I mean, it's <laughs> okay. But on to the next one, and that is uh, the writing characterization. Um, like I said, I like the character of Detective Yin. She's okay. I thought that was good. I liked some of the characterization of Bruce Wayne, uh, of Alfred, and of uh, Jim Gordon. Oh. I'm glad that they started him off as lieutenant rather than commissioner, but again, that was to play off of the Batman Begins movie, which was out at the time. Oh, Neil, we we didn't notice that. In that last episode we saw, there was no Alfred. Oh, really? Think about it. Okay. There was no Alfred. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. What are we getting at? Here? There was no Alfred. I mean, that, that's kind of, that's you know, how do you an episode of Batman with no Alfred at all? It's like very easy. Batman I'm doesn't sh- need Alfred. I'm all sure the time. there have been. Well, give him yeah. a pair of guns now. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, As Batman it's does not need way. Alfred to hold his hand. You know, <laughs> I, to the best of my knowledge, they never went back to Wayne Manor. So yeah, it, it, let, let's talk about all the tunnels through through Gotham City that just pop up everywhere. What were uh, the city planners thinking? Like, what? I don't know. The city planners were also Wayne's parents. So. Well, no, no. Let's let's go ahead and I'll, I'll give them this one because of all the uh, uh, abandoned tunneling which was done under New York City. Okay. No, seriously, so I mean, I can give them that one. Yeah, New York has a shitload of subway systems they don't even use. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, Just be I'll careful look. of all the slime down there. And, and Wayne and Wayne would own it all. Uh, well, no, actually, the city would own it all, but he'd know that it was unused. But let's also talk about the. Uh... But, Neil, I mean, but then let's look at the characterization of the villains. I'm uh, the Joker. <sighs> I can understand again being different, but the Joker was always no matter what a, the Joker had, he had class, humor, and class. Uh, the Batman's Joker. It, it, I know they were trying to go for over the top madness. It didn't work. Yeah, you know the suit's not cheap after all. You bought it. Yeah, and the uh, Penguin. The Penguin. I, I, I think squawked. if there's any character, I, well, again, I can. I, I can did like that, that they gave the the penguin a, a bit of an actual ability to fight Batman. Oh God! You no. got someone so, who's four foot tall and three foot round, and he's going to bounce around like Jackie Chan. I don't think so. Thank you. And well, then, they can oil him up like the like the guy from Street Fighter Four. Oh yeah. God! <laughs> and then what's the uh, whole thing about the two whatevers that he found over in China? Uh, the Kabuki and, twins, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, anime. I don't know. Trying to Maybe be they anime. Have a super foreigners. I don't know. But you can tell they were trying to rip off some of the stuff from the second Tim Burton movie by having him be former wealth and in trying squawk. to get some of that back. In Squawk. Yeah. Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman wasn't too bad, except they went pat beyond even Julie Newmar. Where she actually meows and and purrs and stuff. And it's, you know, the whole thing about Catwoman is Catwoman should not actually be mentally insane. Catwoman is supposed to be just a thief. And uh, being a thief and a burglar isn't insanity. It's, it's, it's a personal choice. It's, 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 it's a bad choice, but it's a personal choice. It's it's nothing to do with, you know. If they're going to have Catwoman purring and meowing, let's at least have Bruce Wayne going through and screaming at the top of his lungs trying to get ultrasound sack echoes. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And well, let, let's. Yeah, that, that was just. Yeah. It, 
Mr. Freeze, I mean, like I said, I, again, this is because it's coming off of Michael and Sarah and his unbelievable portrayal and the characterization they gave to Mr. Freeze in DCAU. But, okay, they want to make him a jewel thief. That's fine. I didn't think that it was too bad, but I didn't think it was that good either. And then he killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah, that was just unnecessary. <laughs> and then... Allegedly. One of the worst characterizations ever. I don't care if you're going back to Frank Gorshin or John Aston or the Riddler from the DC Animated Universe or the Riddler from the comic books. What the heck did they do to him here? I mean, you call him Marilyn Manson, and I don't think he's even that good. <laughs> well, he didn't was, perform music was, yet. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I I almost think that if the crime fails, he goes out and starts slashing his wrists. <laughs> so you know what? Actually, later on, riddle. when they did his origin episode, yeah, totally, that actually works. Oh, his God. origin, I was in love. Wait, what? Oh, they God. do an origin episode for him later on, which explains why he's all the Riddler. It was an yeah. attempt to go through and get another section of the fan, uh, attempted fan base by making him emo. emo. Because emo, yeah, he's, he's a one, he's a one. He bitch in, the, in his uh, is an origin episode. Well, it's just him and Batman at the bottom of the ocean, and Craig just talking about shit. Well, let's, Batman's let's, all like, "Oh, before we die, I'm Bruce Wayne." Oh, in the in <laughs> the uh, in let, let's talk about the then turning Ben into Clayface. Uh, you know the one thing that I had to bring up earlier, Tom and uh, Tom. I think you already know this, so I'm gonna just repeat something you already know. But a lot of the dialogue there and the whole concept was ripped off of the Killing Joke. Really? The attempt to make, uh, well, I can see what you're trying to say, because in Killing Joke, the well, whole thing was him trying to turn Jim Gordon mad. And in in, in the Joker actually says exactly the same thing that this Joker says is, all it takes is one bad day. Now, I will say that there is, I, with two words, I could sum up why these episodes failed absolutely miserably. Okay. And because it's also a carryover from the previous episode. Okay. Joker putty. Okay, Neil, give your Joker putty bitch right now. I'm sorry, unless that thing was laced with king gold, it, it fails. It fails. Neil, Neil give, give, give the Joker putty rant, please. Uh, well, I don't know if it's going to be much of a rant, but it's just the fact that uh, everyone in the fucking cartoon touched this stuff, and nobody was affected by it, and he was spraying gallons of it, and for some reason, it never gave off any fumes except for that one scene where they needed it to. Where it's like half a cup of it splashes. And it, 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 I mean, he, the Joker fucking sprays his henchman's feet for like a good 10 seconds. And, it, and then they're able to bounce around like flubber. And, and, but, 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 you know, just a, a half a cup of it splashing like four feet away from, from the cop and he breathes in the fumes. What the fuck is that? Well, I think it was more flub than burr. <laughs> oh. so richard let's hear your defense of that okay uh later on they do some very good episodes with ben no 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 no, 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 no no not later but on I, I well, how does the fumes i, I can't the... defend if you want me to defend it I, I i totally can but it's a very abstract and once again it's a very kind of drawing well, like i like i inferred earlier i, I figured that the cop's middle name must have been dibney <laughs> but, I mean, you can say that you know maybe that batch of you know Joker flub was not perfected, but it's kind of I it don't know. It's the same it's batch. It was the last of that batch. I, I don't want to say that you know. Oh, my perspective of it is because that doesn't necessarily mean that that was what they're going for. Yeah, I mean, I, I could go through and give a double talk speech. You know, maybe because uh, and I sorry, I'm blanking on the cop's name. Bennett. Uh, Bennett. 
uh, maybe he was more genetically susceptible to it. Maybe there was a metagene which was triggered by it. You know, any number of things. Then why did it work for, well, on that? Why did it, maybe it, he has single seventy? Why? Because uh, uh, Basil was actually Bennett's uh, illegitimate father. Okay, it's uh, <laughs> Tom. Where are your hands right now? Because that was an epic ass pull. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I could come up with double talk BS reasons for a lot of this stuff. Um, it, it it just failed. It uh, it really did fail. It, well, Neil puts it best: is if it wasn't in the show and you have to make shit up to make it work, it it doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah, well, it's the job of the storyteller to to explain to you why this works in this in situation and not in this other situation. Now, but, I will say later I, on they utilized they use they utilized Clayface with Bennett and the other Clayface they introduced. They did do it very well, but. His initial, you know, to make him Clayface was kind of like, well, we need to get rid of Bennett and uh, spin the wheel. But it also, they also wanted to bring back, they to see the direction that the show was going, so they had to make the original, the true original Clayface, Clayface again. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at the last one, which is, does it work as a cohesive whole? Because I can look at, you know, each of the things that we've discussed, I can look back at some of the 80s cartoons like Transformers and G.I. Joe, which failed in some of the same categories. But when put all together, it created something that rose above what it actually was. It was something that still enjoyed to this day. The Batman did not. It did not. It never gelled into that cohesive whole that rose above the failures. So, I mean, if you sit down from beginning to end of episode and have average person watch it, average person is not going to stick around for it. And Neil only stuck around because I forced him, and I have I have at least uh, four hours of audio of this is shit. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're gonna cut the ones where I was actually falling asleep because you had me up pretty late a couple nights. DC the animated universe and Brave and the Bold had proven that you can have that teenage audience demographic. Well, the and biggest still reach, still reach outside of it as well. The biggest thing to remember is. You know, like I said earlier, the whole yeah. it's it's for kids thing is one of the things I hate because number one, it it oh. it, it makes it makes the, the medium itself as a storytelling medium seem immature to most people because most people are like, Oh, it's just cartoons. Who's gonna take cartoons seriously? Because there's X cartoon that isn't serious. And that is a disservice to the medium as a whole. It's sort of like how the damage that the Adam West Batman did to the comic medium as a whole because for thirty years Thirty years at least, even further possibly. I think Tom will even give some examples of it even further. Was every time there's a comic book related, uh, you know, headline in a, in a newspaper, what did it say, Tom? It will usually say bow, uh, bam, pow, ziff, bop, or something like that. Yes, but uh, let's also be honest, because Batman, the comic book, was failing at the time, and the Adam West TV show did revitalize it and actually save the character and save DC. So I mean, it at the time. It was what it needed to be. Immediate gains, long time pain. <laughs> but nowadays, we're going through and seeing that. I mean, I don't care if you look at, like I said, DC Animated Unit. I'm going to go back to it all the time. Uh, you look at Greg Weissman's big success with Gargoyles, uh, or even something that's current to Transformers Prime, uh, G.I. Joe Renegades, or My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Gotta right, love that they show. Can, they can, oh, a lot of people do, including myself. I'm a brony, and I'm proud of it. But it go, because. <laughs> It goes through, and you had your target audience, but it was a show written for all ages to where whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you're male or you're female, you can enjoy it. And, and that's exactly... Batman was laser-focused on that 11 to 15 demographic, 11 to 15 male demographic, and that was all. 
Hey, and I was 15 when I watched the show. So yeah, it's in. Like I said, that that's a detriment because because when you go back to it, just like what you're saying about when you rewatched the Fox Spider-Man series and you had all these fond memories of it, and what was the reaction again, Richard? Oh my God, that was garbage. And that, that's that's what's gonna happen. I, I had fun. But I went back and I watched the Batman for this, so I can make notes, and I appreciate the show still. No, I, I I mean I I have fond memories of the original Super Friends. Trouble alert! I mean Batwave. Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Where <laughs> not a punch was thrown, not anything even subtly violent. Where they talked to the villains, and the villains realized the error of their ways. I and mean, Pablum. And you look back at it now and you're wondering, was I really this stupid? Well, 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 the Batman strikes me not even like that. At least the Super Friends cartoon had a charm to it. I can't see that there was any charm to the Batman. Oh. And I, and I, I'm far outside of the demographic. And Neil, Neil, let, Neil, talk about the Batwave. Did you talk about the Batwave yet? Well, you already kind of stole the joke from me, which is that... Uh... It was basically the trouble alert because it was the magic computer that knew when crime was happening. And oh, was. What, what about what about the fact that in in the first season the Batwave is also his iPod and and every time there was trouble it just it was flashed. the original Batpod right there and it, it actually flashed the bat symbol when he's out in public and everyone's looking at him he's like you know Bruce Wayne what was that is that Batwave or something you think it might be Batman are you Batman. <laughs> It, it or are you the Batman? It's because he, because there's more than one apparently because he has uh, differentiated. Well, there were seven. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm I'm, I'm the obscure reference. There was a comic story back in the late '40s, early '50s. Right back. Uh, Batman Jones. No. <laughs> where a guy, a, a millionaire, was being conned. A huge Batman fan, so he was being conned to, uh, that there were multiple people who were playing Batman. That's why he could be shot and was okay later. And he was going to be trained as one of the Batman, but he had to pay for all. The, he had to pay for his Batmobile. He had to pay for his utility belt. He had to pay for his own Batcave. And of course, he's shelling this money out. You know about well. I just want to make sure you all know about Batman Jones, right? Batman Jones. Is it anything like Basketball Jones? No. Uh, well, Batman Jones is basically. Remember the fat, the the fat Uncle Marvel from from the Marvel family. Very well, Uncle Marvel. He's like that, but for Batman. Hey man, Joe, wow. it's, it's 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 magical. It's 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 almost like the bat zebra suit, which is slightly better than Arctic uh, bat suit. I would rather see the bat zebra suit than the Arctic bat suit. I'm sorry, that that, that Arctic bat suit was a bad idea. Um, and like I said, the the nuance is gone. It's 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 all flash and. And uh, one thing uh, we actually talked to Pablo Prino was this whole this whole series was built on the fact that they had to fit as many fight scenes and episodes as possible, and that 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 seems kind of cheap to me. It, it doesn't really amount to anything because because all style and no substance. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what, what what because to make you care about a villain. I mean, Batman the animated series invented the villain Baby Doll and. And the whole episode was like a riff on on child actors, but the final scene is so powerful that it just it just took my breath away when I first saw it. And I was a I was a young child when I first saw it, and it just took my breath away because because you know here's here's someone who has done horrible things, but at the end you're crying for her. And I, well, then you have no soul, but uh, <laughs> but. The, 
Was there ever a villain in the Crap Man that you ever felt sorry for, other than sorry that they're in his show? Uh, yeah. Okay. I oh, felt I'm... sorry for, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he was like their version of Firefly. He was Firefly. He was Firefly? Alright. Yeah, uh, voiced okay. by, um, uh, Terry McGinnis. Yeah, Will Freddy. Yeah, yeah. They actually, they actually turned him into a somewhat of a tragic character. Uh, they turned him in phos- into phosphorus and then he wanted to blow up the city. So tragic? No. Sorry. But then let's oh, there, there. Once again, so I, I have. I'm just saying that that maybe what your opinion on tragic is and what mine is. I don't think it's cool to be transformed. Something. Killer Moth got turned into a gigantic moth. He liked it because they had respect. Doesn't make it good. It makes it bad. It sucks bad for him. But I uh, let's let's do a big contrast. I mean, because like I said, the Batman was all style, no substance. Contrast this with episodes like Where the Gray Goes. Uh, Joker's favor. Oh, that was a great. What about one. the episode where everyone gets replaced by robots? That was actually a great one. That was that was a hard. Was a sh- I hate that. I wasn't, uh, uh, but I did the follow up episode with the uh, his Silicon robot. Soul, his yeah, Silicon I'm, Soul, one of the one of yeah. the, one of the stronger uh, character pieces. But the thing yeah. is, you, you talk about you talk about the episode with Hardak. You forget this is the episode that introduces Barbara Gordon far before they ever had her as Batgirl or hinted her as being Batgirl. And her whole thing was in that episode was there's something wrong with my father. My father isn't acting right. And she asked Batman for help. And that was the whole thing. And that actually, you know, I, I really don't understand how you would have an issue with this because this, that was one of the, yeah, that, that episode was a launching point for several spanning character arcs and story arcs that affected the rest of the animated series. But let's take a look at some of the other episodes that I mentioned. I mean, well, take a look at the Clock King episode where, I mean, it, Minor fights in the end, but the whole thing, you feel sorry for the guy because, yeah, he's tight-ass, but he's trying to do the right thing all the way along. And because of one simple thing, his life, entire life goes downhill. Uh, perchance a dream. I mean, my, uh, this was an absolutely beautiful episode where... Hey, guys, I got to go. Uh, my daughter's <laughs> crying. and oh, All right. Okay. I'll catch you guys later. Though. All right. Good night, Richard. Good night. All right. But, to go back to what I was saying, I mean, perchance a dream where... Bruce Wayne wakes up and finds out he's not Batman. Uh, they had episodes based off of uh, the original comic, you know, The Laughing Fish. Yes. Uh, I mean, Night of the Ninja, which was a completely original character with Kaodai Ken, and it works so well in the background for Bruce Wayne. It absolutely does. It adds a new teacher for, for Bruce Wayne in his world tour that was later utilized in the comics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, let's... Uh, God, what was the episode? Um, Day of the Samurai? Yeah, well, that's the follow-up episode, but I was also thinking of uh, uh, The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, where the character of uh, Hugo, Hugo Strange. Strange is introduced. I mean, no fight scene there. Absolutely right. And, and you know, it's it's just it's just a sign that it, that the fight scene is the shiny toy, and, and that's what they're trying to you know, distract the child with. Well, it, it, it really is. I mean, Batman in Batman the Animated Series... There was fighting because last resorts. And the thing to remember is uh, I watched Mudslide recently and, you know, Batman finds Matt Hagen and he's literally falling apart. The first thing is Batman says is, I'm willing to make you human again. You just have to trust me. And that's the first thing he says before he fights Hagen. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, because he couldn't give up that distrust he had. Yes. He, He tried to do the same thing with Victor Freeze. He tried to do the same thing with so many others. And that's I mean, actually... We can, we can go back to the, I mean, the end of the killing joke, where, you know, if it were any other writer, 
there would have been the big fight scene. Instead, what happens? You know, the Joker just, he gives up. And Batman and the Joker share a joke. And then, and then, uh, yeah, that joke about, uh, you'd turn off the flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, the, 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 I still say that that whole setup for Bennett was, you know, even the amusement park, that was all lifted from the killing joke. And it was shoddily done because I think they were thinking, oh, if we borrow these elements from an Alan Moore story, that means, you know, that automatically elevates us up. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that's a great idea, yeah. Well, and again, back to target audience, they knew, I'm 11 to 15, these kids weren't going to have read The Killing Joke. I mean, it was out years before, and even then, it is not something that I would have allowed an 11 to 15-year-old to read. Well, let, let's, be, let's, not. let's be honest about The Killing Joke. Alan Moore is a fantastic writer. Most of Most the time, of the time. He's fantastic writer. Most of the yes. time, but uh, the killing joke is the one story Alan Moore is on record, on record for saying is he thinks is his worst work ever. Well, he he hated the fact he to this day he still hates the fact that about the shooting of Barbara Gordon. Yes, and he hates he the fact that, that was mistake. He hates the fact that it's pinned solidly on him. Yeah, and yet I, I you know, as much as I hated seeing that happen to Barbara Gordon, because the Barbara Gordon bad girl is one of my favorite characters of all time. Absolutely. But stuff like that happens, especially when your your father is a high profile law enforcement art, uh, agent. When you've got this crazy out there like the Joker, it fit. It worked for me. And it also worked that she found a new strength that that as oh. times changed, as the times changed, you know, information became a powerful commodity. The internet was was new in all this, and and and. Well, that's one of the many, many, many things that I hate about the New 52 was that Oracle, Barbara Gordon as Oracle, was a symbol that you can be disabled and not be dead. She went beyond anything she had done as Batgirl. She was, she she was, she was a wrong character. She was an information broker. She was, she was a source of information. She was a confidant. She was a parent. She was a friend, an ally. It's, she was all these things to everybody in the Bat family. She was a, and that you know, I say that, and to, to, to clarify to people, yes, she actually was a parent. She was she was Cassandra Kane's uh, guardian. Not I don't know about legal guardian, but she was certainly her guardian for a good portion of the uh, well. And of she time. was, I mean, later on in the most well, not the most recent, the pre fifty two most recent series with Batgirl with a uh, Stephanie. Yes. In there, um, she was big sister. Exactly. Like I said, she was friend, confidant, ally. Exactly. And that, that was more than she was, because, uh, again, as much as I love the character, back earlier, pre-crisis, uh, she was basically female version of Batman and love object for Robin. Yep. And, you know, like I said, it's, we look at we look at it fondly, and what we loved about the Bruce Timm series was it gave us a sliver of time where it was it was where we could relive that again because it's a different universe and it, it felt good it felt right and then well, they, I mean, they they went and t- they spent the time and creating I've always said as a writer if your characters don't talk back to you if they don't have a life of their own then you are failing your job as a writer absolutely and what I loved was and they created characters that went through and they had lives of their own. I mean, uh, the Clock King episode, the Riddler episode. I mean, if you're so rich, why aren't you? Uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? You, I mean, every geek out there that watched this episode empathized with Edward Nigma. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to talk about other mediums that this team worked on, specifically Paul Dini, it's, uh, have you played through Arkham City yet, Tom? Yes. 
What I actually liked was the inconclusion of the Mr. Freeze story there where you have a Batman rescues Nora and Batman actually says to Freeze, fix your wife and, you know, fix your wife and, and uh, you know, quit this life. You're better than this. Yeah, it, where it isn't, you know, again, uh, Batman, it was said that the one thing that Batman and Superman have in common is that is they, they are both optimists. Um, take a look how much in comic books or in Batman animated series or whatever, the optimism that Bruce Wayne and Batman have for Harvey Dent. He keeps hoping that Harvey Dent can be turned around from Two-Face. Uh, Richard, you're back. I am back, yes. And with members of the target audience for the Batman. <laughs> oh, Tom, come on. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I just still think that the whole... The thing is, if you have to, like, laser target your audience to to even justify the show, I, I think that, that that shows a sign that you failed. I mean, it's, a, you know, one of Tom's favorite shows is SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does it even have a target audience? That's good for everyone. Yeah, uh, uh, college students who are stoned. <laughs> oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. That seems, that seems right. To me, the bottom line on this stuff, it really is the bottom line. You can take a run through your local DVD sales, and you will still see seasons of Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated Series or Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, and you will see they're still at $20, $25, You can go and – I've, I've, I've seen ep, uh, seasons of the Batman, Batman in the $5 remainder bin. Oh, what I love is – Nobody love wants is... to buy them. But it... people are – I mean, people clamor – are still clamoring for the DC animated universe because of the quality that they had. Yeah. Now, okay, DC DC um, animated universe. What is inclu- what, are, what are we going to include in that? Are we going to include Young Justice in that as well, or no? no Young Justice was never oh, Young Justice. No, that's a new one, and it was not part of DCAU. DCAU was Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series, uh, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. Okay, so none of the movies are included in that then. No. No. Okay. No. Just those. Well, Mask of the now, Phantasm, but... And, well, that was still part of DC Animated Universe. I mean, the uh, if it was voiced by Kevin Conroy or and Mark and or Mark Hamill, no, Mask of the Phantasm, uh, even uh, Riddle of the Batwoman, up to there. Mystery of the Batwoman. Mystery of the Batwoman. Uh, those are still considered part of Batman the Animated Series, the whole DCAU. Yeah, and like I said, I, I just really think that, uh, you know, Tom put it best is no one really wants... The, the crap man and i actually remember it one of this is this is actually this actually hits close to home for me because uh for people who don't know i'm actually a graphic designer and uh i remember right when the crap man was still running right when they were releasing the box sets of batman the Animated series they actually ran a commercial once tom neil you'll love this where they actually showed it was for it was for box set four you know volume four of batman the Animated series and advertising it they actually interspersed Two clips from the Crap Man in this advertisement. Oh yeah, that's odd. And and to, to put perspective, it, that 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 was just lazy editing and and yeah. Uh, and uh, still on the subject of DVDs, the first season hadn't even completed. The first season hadn't even completed of the Batman when they released that the Batman versus Dracula. I mean, oh, that was God. one of those things that was made specifically just as a ripoff to try and steal your money for a piece of schlock. Yeah, and, and, and the Batman vs. Dracula actually pisses me off for one reason, is there was an episode of Batman the Animated Series that was pretty far along in production before uh, 
before it was kiboshed. It was going to have Nocturna in it, and she wasn't going to be like she was in the comics either. She was going to be a vampire. And the whole episode was Batman was slowly being turned into a vampire and had to find a cure. And in this episode, they kiboshed it because there was going to be blood consumption. And what they have in the Crapman versus Dracula, the Joker doing a big old blood burp. I did think that the Joker was actually very creepy in uh, Batman versus Dracula. They did a very, very creepy Joker that. You know what would have been better? If they actually read Brom's Joker's Dracula and got some ideas from that versus this. I mean, it's like, well, it's not even Bella Lugosi Dracula. This, this is Hammer film Dracula without the class of Christopher Lee. Actually, I was thinking that it was more like um, uh, Leslie Nielsen Dracula. No. Oh, Dead and Loving It, yeah. (laughs) No, at least that had some attributes that were worthwhile. A famous Canadian, yeah. Um, But no, I mean, uh, Red Rain, one of the Elseworld comics where it was Batman versus vampires, where he eventually does become a vampire, and he's he's having to fight off his own urges for there. And they even had Batman back in the early 70s uh, become infected with a form of, well, actually it was first, uh, Dick Grayson was infected with it, and then um, later on, Bruce Wayne gets infected with a form of vampirism, and what he has to do for that. And a very telling story. Uh, art was by Gene Colan, I think. Oh yes, I remember that. It like I well, said, a, the, a nice uh, dark style to it. And like I said, the the whole idea that Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, these masterful creators, who were able to slip so many things by the censors, were unable to slip the blood consumption by, so they had to kibosh this one episode. And then, you know, the Crapman team, you know, just so easily were able to make this movie with the Joker doing a blood burp. And, and, uh, and well, I mean, if they wanted to, like, really draw from the source material, they would have made the Joker like Reinhold. But that's. But let's, let's also go through and do the, uh, I mean, because it was an episode that Tim and uh, Dini were trying to do as opposed to a direct DVD. And even then, there were still a few things. I mean, uh, Batman Beyond, uh, Return of the Joker, where there were certain things that. They weren't allowed to do, but they were when they saw the sales. They were eventually allowed to do, i.e., the killing of the Joker. Yes. So it really was. It was a different time, different mores, uh, even though there wasn't that much time difference. And a lot of it was shock value. Let's see what we can do. And you know, the target audience of eleven to fifteen males. Yes, and like I said, I just see there's a difference between you know violence that's used for the story and and and. This got kind of gaudiness that they, that they do that doesn't attribute to the story. I mean, I mean, real violence is is not something to be. You know, I'm going to sound like a parent group, but I don't really mean to. It isn't something to be glorified, but but to show that there are consequences in in these stories, and that's the whole idea. You know, what I mean, violence is the refuge of the inco- first refuge of the incompetent. Yes, and they had shown that in DCAU. Violence was a means to an end, but not the only means, and not the first means. The Batman was, like I said, Jackie Chan Adventures, where it was almost comedic fighting. Yes, absolutely. It's a, and I gotta be honest, I didn't think the fight choreography was anything to speak about. I mean, I I say this as not, not, you know, I don't hold any black belts or anything like that. I'm just an observer, and a viewer with an opinion, if I must say, but it's it, it didn't seem like it flowed. It didn't seem like the kind of fighting that people would actually do. It, it's cartoon fighting. 
it's it, it because one of the things that Neil pointed out to me was a lot of the movements in these cartoons has people almost weightless. Well, if you watch some of the older episodes of TAS, the, the the animators have a sense of weight and gravity with movement that yeah, once you once you understand that and you watch it, you see it. Huh. Yeah, and in the old series, they're stumbling around. They're you know they they'll trip over things. They'll uh, you know lose their balance from time to time. Uh, it didn't seem like they really thought thought of any of that while they were doing the Batman. Well, when like I said, when you've got all, uh, excuse me, Oswald Cobblepot bouncing around like a helium balloon. Oh God! Maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, that's how he got so fat. He's been sucking helium. I'll let him explain the voice too. Oh God! It just—I mean, I'm looking back, and like I said, with the exception of the Harley Quinn episode, which I thought was very well written, hated the design for Harley. I'm not, why didn't she topple over with a hat that big? Oh, what, what about the... I showed Neil the Superman episode, and how unsexy was that Lois Lane, Neil? Not counting Fairly the voice, Well, Dana Delaney. She, she was... Can I tune in? She was she was phoning it. But not as much as, like I said, uh, you know, you have you actually have... Uh, yeah, what's his name? As Lex Luthor. I forgot his name. And I feel Clancy really, Brown. Clancy Brown, and he was ham. He was pure Shatner-esque ham. Well, and it's funny because they did uh, Brave and the Bold, uh, the Batman from Planet X, which is one of my favorite episodes because it was Kevin Conroy playing the Clark Kent character. It was Clancy Brown playing the Lex Luthor character. It was uh, Dana Delaney playing the Lois Lane-ish character. And it was just, it was great because it was it was supposed to be a bit hammy, and it turned out a bit hammy, but it was hammy but fun as opposed to, I don't know what else, they've never really given me any good direction as to how this should be played. And, and, you know, that's the difference because, you know, Brave and the Bold, you know, I say I still say Dick Sprang-esque art style, Tom. I know you disagree, but it's <laughs> but I, you know, it it, it, it does these things, but I, I, I'm OK with it because it, it, it's a wink and a nod, nod, you know, it's like, you know, and I'm OK with that because of the wink and a nod. See, but, I felt like the Batman, the Brave and the Bold was very good because it did do a lot of kind of campy. It was almost like if Super Dickery was a Batman site instead of a Superman site. That's well, exactly of, what it is. Yeah. And like I said, that that's why, because it's a wink and a nod versus... Yeah. Well, and a lot of those stories for Brave and the Bold were derived from 1950s, 1960s Batman tales. These are awesome I, comics to get hold of. Yeah, like the I Superman said, episode with the Superman episode with Brave and the Bold. I mean, my God, they practically admitted that was a Super Dickery With the Pope, nod. yes. Every one of those little bits was was one of these super dickery uh, flashbacks. I mean, I loved it. it like I, like I said, it, it's it's really the fact that it's a wink, it's the wink and the nod because because they're saying, yeah, yeah, we're not treating this seriously. We're we're having fun with the property, and that's okay. Ver- well, it's more than that. Ver- versus versus the crap man, where the crap man, the crap man is crap, but. It treats itself. It takes itself seriously while it does it. That that's the biggest problem of all. I I, I can see a couple of the points you guys have made about um, the Batman. Batman. Uh, but uh, as a whole, I I did like the show. Uh, that's kind of my. my problem. I did I did like the show. For me, it was a show I really liked. Uh, I think that for anyone who is never seen it, maybe check it out and form your own opinion. Well, we're always for people forming their own opinions. I mean. People have to think for themselves, and you know they shouldn't. They shouldn't listen to me all the time or Neil all the time because no, they, they like me all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, well, of course. I always but, know what I'm yeah. talking about. But well, I will. I will say this. I, I hope we we didn't really gang up on you too badly here because I know uh, it's like no. Fun. You made my daughter okay, cry. And... But... <laughs> well, then my job here is done. Well, well, Tom, you did steal it. You but, did steal the lolly from her, right? Yeah. <laughs> but one thing. But one thing we we are going to commend you on here is that you didn't default to nostalgia because that's that's kind of like the pet peeve on this show. Yeah. Yeah. We can't default. We, watch we, it again. Yeah. And. Uh, if if you like it, you like it, and we're not we're never gonna fault anyone for that. Yeah, that's that's true. It's a I I just think that the merits you spoke of, the merits that you felt, don't justify the show's existence in my eyes or Neil's eyes or Tom's eyes or, and really this this show, okay, here's here is the million dollar question, what did this contribute to the mythos? What did this contribute to the mythos? I think it. It made people go back and look at the characters because it did do a lot of different things with characters. So I think a lot of people did go and IMDb these characters and see, wait, why is Mr. Freeze a jewel thief? Because for me, growing up, like I said, 1992, I was like six. To me, Mr. Freeze has always been trying to help his wife. I've well, never seen well. that's, that's thief. I grew That made me go back and look at Mr. Freeze and say, okay, yeah, it's a lot of storyline to this guy. Well, I will say, I mean, I, I think if the Batman accomplished one thing more than anything else it was that it made it appreciate the dcau that much more (laughs) but but like i said like i said what actual one thing carried over to another medium that was on this one show what what did Uh, it contribute to the mythos that is the million dollar question i'm trying to think of something i don't know um i think i think it provided a lot of jokes for batman the brave and the bold (laughs) it did and they have batman does not eat nachos batman the brave and the bold not, not. I'll say. I mean, if you uh, in the Brave and the Bold, no matter what your opinions about the Batman are, or DCAU are, or whatever, uh, there was an episode of Brave and the Bold called Batmite Presents Batman's Strangest Cases, where it was where Batmite had is going through his library and it shows different universes of Batman. Where the first one was a recreation of a parody from Mad Magazine. Another one was uh, the second one was a manga style Batman, which was actually done. And the third one was the Batman and Robin meets Scooby-Doo and the gang with Weird Al Yankovic. But there was a segment in there where it's Batmite talking to a convention. I mean, of course, they all want the dark, gritty Batman. He's just talking about how there are Batman has meant so many things over the years, that there are so many different versions of it, that just to say that this isn't the version that you want doesn't mean that it's not the right version. Oh, absolutely, and I always go. I always go with that because to say otherwise would be the eighty-seven is only defense. Yeah. Now, of course, I, I look at this episode, and after I thought, I marveled at some of this writing, and I, you could tell that the writer was using Batmite to speak directly to the people who were dissing Brave and the Bold or the Batman, and the writer of this episode was surprise, surprise, Paul Dini. Now, did Paul Dini write the final episode of the Batman? Where they like did the whole like this show has to get canceled because it's gone too far. The no. Justice League thing. No, he no, did not. The final episode was the uh, Batmite canceled gets the show canceled by having Batman jump the shark continuously. That, oh, the, uh, yeah, the last episode of uh, Brave and the Bold. Yes, yes. that was called Mightfall. Uh, in the year 1865, in a parallel universe known as 5501, Batman helps a set, uh, foil an assassination attempt on the life of President Abraham Lincoln by a steampunk armored John Wilkes Booth. 
which is the best intro ever. <laughs> That's the teaser. Uh, main plot, when Batman has grown weary of Batman the Brave and the Bold, deeming his formula to be tired and repetitive, he concocts a scheme to make it so bad that the network will have to cancel the show to make way for a darker one. Did they, did it, they, add, did they add Elmira? Can ambush Bug and Aquaman thwart his plan before it's too late? So they added the Myra. See, that's the thing. They, if they actually wanted to like make a real statement about Warner Bros. animation, they should have added Elmira to the show for that episode. They, they did do a Scrappy. Uh, they did a Scrappy Doo version of Ace the Bat, the Bat Dog, in that show. Uh, you, you don't understand. Oh. It's uh, the, the the joke I'm making is uh, Pinky in the Brain was changed to Pinky Elmira in the Brain, and then was canceled a year later because what happened was Pinky in the Brain was doing great. And the, this executive producer at Warner Brothers said, you need to make this show more like The Simpsons. Add Elmira from Tiny Toons on it. How does that make it like The Simpsons? Because the, TV, like Tiny Toons. Because, the, because, because the executive I'm talking about is, like, mentally retarded or something. I thought the what guy greenlighted the... Uh... No, it, it, it actually <laughs> is the guy. It's, it's the same guy who canceled Animaniacs. What? Well, I'm going to have to go back and watch this episode. Do we know who this was? I'm tr- uh, let's see here. What, is it the same guy that can Freakazoid? Yes, it's the exact same guy. Wow, I want to kill this guy. <laughs> it wasn't Jamie Kellner, was it? Um, uh, executive that canceled the... Uh, let's see. Jamie Kellner. Yes, it was Jamie Kellner. Oh, goddamn him. Yeah. Does <laughs> <laughs> he no longer work there? I'd like to think he no longer works there. He's he, Every time I hear his name, he's canceling something. He's... He's he's the guy with the with the giant axe over at, uh, at at Turner Broadcasting. There does have to be something to cancel shows. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was yeah, it was James I would have can- be honest, I would have canceled the Batman after the third season. I would not have gone on to that Justice League season. Where you know the one thing that it's it's kind of funny. You have these people that are in a writing room, and some of these people are actually respected. And you you have you have Greg Weissman there. It's uh, Neil. What's Greg Weissman again? A hack. Okay, yeah, and uh, and you have uh, and and they decide. You know, the one thing our Batman cartoon is missing. You know, because the the, the critics are still poo pooing. You know what our Batman cartoon is missing? An alien invasion. Now, well, I, me, I, I would have given them funny. some chops if they did alien. If they did uh, Batman versus Alien versus Predator for the Batman, that would have been amazing. That would have said. I would. That everyone would love that show. Then you could not argue that show. Then it depends if it was written like the original. Batman vs. Predator or Batman vs. Aliens. Yeah, but the way that they had done the writing on the Batman, no. <laughs> there was, to me, there was very little. The only reason why it's remembered is because of how bad it was. <laughs> mm. But uh, let's wrap this show up. Uh, this is. Uh, well, can I can I throw in one last little thing? Yes. Yeah, I I really wasn't going to uh, nitpick uh, each of the villains. Too badly, but there is one particular villain that I felt was done so wrong, and maybe this is just a personal opinion of mine. If it's the one that I and think that, it is, I completely and wholeheartedly agree. Uh, well, I was going to say Poison Ivy. Uh, well, that's one of the ones, but that's not the one that I was thinking of. <laughs> because I appreciate trying to do something new with these characters. Uh, Poison Ivy, I would have gone the opposite direction. I would have turned Poison Ivy into a MILF. Nothing wrong with that. You know, put a, Put a little junk in the trunk, you know. That's the whole thing. She that's a that's a common hell. theme though. I mean they, they did they did desexualize poison ivy for it. But no, they, she, they turned her from a femme fatale to jailbait. The whole See, I, I, I never thought of her as jailbait, though. 
yeah, I didn't really think of her as jailbait. I just thought of her. As I don't have that in mind, Tom. A weird uh, eco terrorist whose motivations—that's oh, the one thing I hated in that episode. Slightly but... justified, but not really. It... Yeah, that's the one thing I hated was all through this episode they're trying to justify her feelings, like, "Oh, we're all for being greedy." It's just she goes a little too far, and it's like, it's like, why can't you just say she's crazy? Because that's the one thing that they always stress in the animated series is. No, no, she's 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 freaking crazy. See, to me, it's I don't care if you're going back to the original Carmen Infantino version or the version that was in Justice uh, the Injustice League or the father of Stephanie Brown. The disservice they did to Clue Master was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you went Not from someone that. who was who was a second-rate Riddler. I'll be I mean, the Carmen Infantino version on, including the part where he was turned into a joke during the. Uh, Injustice Society, or excuse me, the Injustice League, with Major Disaster and the rest of them, it, it, at least he had some redeeming values. And then to be the father of Stephanie Brown, who became Spoiler, who became Batgirl, added more credence to the character. But turning him into a 500-pound, never-grew-up child who obsessed about one game show he was on, living in his parents' basement. Well, there, so, there, there is was, a 25-year-old. Was he 25? There, there was nothing redeeming about the character. There was nothing interesting about the character. There was nothing interesting. And it, it was all repulsive. And if that was their goal, then they succeeded beyond belief. So, I mean, even though what they did with Poison Ivy was bad, what they did to Clue Master was even worse. And, I mean, he's a, he's a B-grade villain. You've got me feeling sorry for a B-grade villain because of what they did to him. <laughs> what they did to him, not what, what they did with him. <laughs> so, you yeah. see, there's a difference between pity and and uh, you know emotional sympathy because pity is is something far beneath sympathy that that it it can't be quantified as anything other than just this feeling of you see to be to have pity on something you actually have to feel like you're superior to them to have sympathy you have to feel a connection that you could actually be similar to this person and uh, on that note uh, let's wrap this up this was our first episode in the series of the defense series where we're going to have our guests come in and defend uh, against one of our uh, one of our earlier uh, statements. So uh, I'm your host, Ben. And TV's Mr. Neal. I'm Thomas Revoir from 910 Comics at 910cmx.com and also host of the webcomic Beacon Newscast. Oh, that's right. And I'm Richard Muir, and I have no credits behind my name. All right, and we're saying goodnight. Thanks. Goodbye.